from Anchor FM, this is Etch the Edges, where we climb the steep cliffs of the divide, the issues that separate us from the right and the left, and we do the hard work of closing that divide. Find the common ground we know we all share. Hi, I'm B.S. Brown, your host, and together we will etch the edges. America has often been at the crossroads, and yet here we are again. What do we do? And how do we do it? Together, let's get into it. Our purpose? To do the work. To truly peel away at the extremes, for it's the extremes, the extremes that divide us. The tail is wagging the dog. Small groups of people with outsized voices are commanding the stage, and the rest of us? Well, the rest of us suffer for it. It's time for all that to change. Let's lean into discomfort. Let's have the hard conversations, and together, let's etch the edges. Welcome back to Etch the Edges, the show where we do the hard work of leaning into discomfort in order to view the perspectives from either side of the divide and then try our best to close that divide. It's all about everyday conversations with everyday people who tend to step up and step out and do outsized things. So with that understanding, as we all know, that is the point and purpose of the podcast, we have a special guest today, Kelly Cotts. Did I say that correctly? Yes. Yes, Kelly Cotts, our special guest, is running for the Board of Education of Gwinnett County. Kelly, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me today, Derek. I appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. So like I said, we like to lean in, keep the conversations just general. You know, I, I didn't go to school and I don't have a journalism degree. Well, let me say that differently because that sounded kind of dumb, especially for a conversation around the Board of Education. I did go to school. <laughs> I went to high school. I went to college. I graduated just not with a journalism degree. I tend towards uh, technology and IT and all of that rigmarole right there. But you know, um, with that being said, we can dive right in because I think about it, as I said, what I just said, and, and Kelly, I think you mentioned that as one of your core issues, college ain't for everybody. But before no, we not. dive into that, yeah, before we go in there, Kelly, you tell us about you. Who's Kelly and why is she stepping up to step out? Okay. Um, well, I am running for this position because I am passionate about both children and our education. Uh, I believe I'm the best candidate for this position because I am invested in our community, in our Gwinnett County Public Schools. I'm experienced and I'm involved. Um, I'm invested because I'm actually a graduate of the school system. I graduated from Brookwood High School and I now have a first grader at Gwinn Oaks Elementary School. My mom's also a retired school teacher from District 4. I'm experienced because people don't understand that serving on the school board is not just about education. It's also about government function. And I served as the first female mayor of Snellville. I served on the city council for six years and as mayor for four. So I have experience developing a budget, setting millage rates and overseeing capital improvement projects, all things that the school board must do. But I also have experience working with the school system. As an attorney and practiced and licensed in the state of Georgia for almost 20 years, um, I've represented school teachers in uh, contract disputes and ethics complaints in front of the Professional Standings Commission, uh, Gwinnett County school bus drivers and workers' comp claims because of the old buses they have to use um, with the uh, hydraulic brake system. And uh, I've represented students in the disciplinary process and the IEP process. I'm involved in the community. You know, I'm not a fresh face. I've been a public servant and community volunteer my entire life. Uh, right now, I serve on PTA at Gwen Oaks. I am a uh, team mom for Brookwood Baseball. I coach I-9 sports, basketball, flag football. Um, I tend to not say no to almost anything these days. <laughs> so you'll see me out there doing something. That's outstanding. Well, a person can't say that Kelly is not involved. No. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's real clear. And that's a good thing. That's, that's not, no, actually, that's not a good thing. That's a great thing. You know, I, I myself do this and, and, and I volunteer because I find that when it comes down to certain aspects of how our communities are run, far too many of us are not engaged. Now, that's not to say, right, that everyone needs to uh, lead in terms of PTSA, but 
I would hope folks would get involved if they can, which is a critical point because far too many of our parents are too busy maintaining their daily bread in order to volunteer in a manner that perhaps you and I would do. And it's funny, I put you and I together like I, I was a mayor or something. I ain't been a mayor or nothing. I, mean, I have to <laughs> give you your kudos in that regard, Kelly. You, you put in a lot of work. And I think everyone could look at that or should look at that and be very appreciative of your commitment to the community. But I want to ask, as I was leaning into that point, what do you say and what would you do on the board for those parents that, as we know, can't show up at a board of education meeting because, you know, they're working or, you know, that it's, it's, we don't want to say teachers should be third, second, third, tertiary, or any other kind of parent because it's not their job to raise a child, it's their job to educate a child. But we know quite frankly that often enough, they do step into that role as educators. It, it becomes necessary to some degree and the parents depend on that. What do you say to those parents to garner their support because we know the other side where you do have parents who get to spend time engaging, such as how we've described, they're there, they're at the meeting and um, the monthly meetings. And a lot of them tend to be more ideological, divisive, so to speak, even though they would say they're not. What do you say to those folks who can't show up because they just don't have the time? Mm -hmm. Um, well, so I work my day job. I'm a guardian ad litem uh, for Gwinnett County Juvenile Court. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but I represent abused and neglected children that come into defects custody is, is one aspect of my job. And so, you know, I represent hundreds of kids in the school system that don't have parents. You know, they literally don't have someone that can show up there for them. Um, so I do think it takes a village. I do think parental involvement is important because in looking at those kids, their level of success is not always the same as a child who, who does have that parental involvement. I, I mean, I do believe that that is important. Uh, I think we're very fortunate in District 4 and that we have not only parental involvement, but community involvement. So we have people in the community as a whole that will step up and support our schools and our different programs when the parents aren't able to. And that may be um, older people in the community whose children are no longer in school, but they still, you know, have a sense of community or, or businesses in our community. Um, but I think even if you can't, you know, I, I don't attend, I'll be frank, I don't attend the school board meetings there right after work. And I'm a single mom of a first grader, right? I mean, it's impossible for me to, to get to them. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm not involved. Um, there's ways you can watch those online. Uh, there's ways you can still get in touch with your school board members. Uh, there's ways, you know, maybe I was at field day, but you may, maybe I can't be at field day, but I can help donate to the thousand popsicles that I had to bring to school. You know, parents can give monetarily. Uh, so there's other ways that you can get involved, even if you can't physically show up. And so that's one of the things I do encourage parents. Um, it's kind of like, you know, voting. You can't complain if you don't show up to do it. It's the same with, with parenting and the school system. If you're not willing to step up and do something about it, even if it's not physically, if you're, just, if you're not writing the letters or the emails, then you can't really complain about what's happening. You are absolutely right, Kelly. I think, you know, uh, and, and, and let me step back because part of my own personal mandate as an aspiring critical thinker in my day job, I'm a problem solver, is to always look passionately and compassionately at the problem and try to highlight opportunities that we can all leverage in order to fix. I say the same thing about this that I say about voting, just as you say, if you don't get engaged, then you can't do a thing. You can't change a thing. You can't move a heart or a mind. But what I find, especially with regard to volunteering or supporting from a school perspective, and I think you'll agree with this, and, and I've said it to quite a few institutions, is we've got a marketing problem because these parents don't know. A lot of the things that you just said, I, I, I volunteer at my daughter's high school, and I frankly find it fascinating sometimes when someone asks a thing or we are discussing a thing and they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, you know, I didn't know that the school did that. I didn't know Gwinnett County offered that service. I didn't know that was there. And there's that break, right? There's that break between institution, government, facility, and community. And I don't want to, I won't throw shade. I won't say it's anybody's fault. You know, we can spend a good bit of time doing that part. But I think part of the responsibility, especially from a policy standpoint, 
for someone on the board is to help facilitate that discussion and turn that discussion into policy, that policy into action. Somehow those words, those opportunities have to get to those parents. Would you agree to that? Yeah, I agree wholeheartedly. I think, um, well, let me qualify this answer. I think there is a communication problem at different levels within our school system. I know at my son's school, they are great about communicating. We get class dojo updates. We get weekly newsletters from both the teacher and the school. Um, but at the overall level of the school system, I mean, there's programs, you know, as a guardian ad litem there that are available for my clients that I'm not aware about, you know, and it's not like it's easy to go find on the website or something, you know, or direct contact. Um, so I do think we need to have better communication as a district as a whole. Um, I also, I know, you know, I'm very fortunate that my son's school has great communication, but not all the schools are the same. And so I think we need to have a standard policy of how we're communicating with parents. And I also think, um, to go back to the previous question, I mean, you know, not all parents can show up. I think sometimes it's also important for us to go out into the community. We can't always expect the parents to come to us if if they're not if we have a lack of involvement. Um, my my former husband used to teach at Tucker High School in DeKalb County, DeKalb, in actually in Lithonia High School, and there was hardly any parent involvement, especially at Lithonia High School. And so we couldn't just sit back and say, "Oh well, we had to find a way to make that work." And so we had to go out and reach the parents. And when you actually make that contact with them, you find that they want to be involved. You know, they just maybe you know they're working in a couple of jobs and they can't come, but but they were appreciative that we actually took the time to reach out to them instead of waiting for them to come to us. And I think. Um, for schools where you don't have that parental involvement, you have to think outside the box and look at those type of things that you can do to, to make that parental involvement happen. Totally agree with that. I, I think the, the activity of reaching out is core to the concern and critical to addressing the issue. I also think, you know, a, as you said, um, a standardized approach across the, all the districts is required. Not to say that differentiation and communication isn't important. I mean, you can add flavor to what you say is the template, right? I mean, I think there might be some folks who, who disagree because I know just like you do, I get the text, I get the emails, I get the voicemails, I get all of that. And I'm not saying that's wrong, bad, or foul on that. What I am saying is that there are certain aspects, certain services that warrant something different and they have to have minimal touch, I think. And, and I see this in corporate America as well. Sometimes we over-engineer or we don't think about the criticality of what it is we're providing. And a perfect example is like you said, when you wanna go watch that video or watch the board meeting live, I still don't think they've got it right <laughs> because you know there's a site for it. You gotta make sure you click the right link. Prior to them making that website adjustment, you could not find that link. <laughs> you had to dig, dig, dig. And then you might say, I went to that website, but you didn't, or you did and you went there and now it's there and you think you got it, but you don't, it's the archival footage. It's things like that, that mm -hmm. are critical, you know? And if you take a parent that's working two jobs and you're saying the information is out there on the website and they go to the website and their eyes just get big, you got a problem, <laughs> no? <laughs> so much stuff on the website. It's like, where do I start? <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And, 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 and that's a user experience thing. Mm -hmm. You know, we put a lot of time, money and effort in our, in our society to make sure that our games and, and all of the other things that we do for pleasure or one to touch, but the things from an administrative perspective that we find mundane or just ugh, we want to say ugh to, we don't put the same level of work or effort into that. And we've got to change that. Right. We do because these things enhance our lives. I think those are critical things for us to, to consider. I want to ask you next around um, your thoughts around the excellence of Gwinnett County Public Schools. There are a lot of people, and I'm not necessarily one of them, I think, you know, again, it's always about perspective, but folks, a lot of folks, a lot of folks have this feeling, especially up here on the north side of Gwinnett, that our reputation has taken a big, huge hit and that we are no longer in a world-class school system because of this, that, and the third. A lot of folks feel it's because of um, what happened with Willbanks. A lot of people feel, and they won't put certain specifics on it, but their call out is a change in demographic on the board and that now certain things aren't being done, but they can't really name what those things are. My perspective, just to throw it out there for the folks that are listening, is that Gwinnett County as a county and as a school system continues to operate from a world-class perspective. The schools here and the things that they offer are tremendous, but as with anything, we've got work to do. 
we've, we've got work to do. Now, from a reputation standpoint, I certainly believe that we've taken a big hit. But I think the critical question around the big hit is, what is the hit? Why did we take it? And what does it look like? And once we got all of that quantified, can we address it? So before I go any further on that, because I don't want to project, I just wanted to put my perspective out there. And then, of course, as is required, Kelly, I got to give you the opportunity to share your perspective because you're the one running for office, right? <laughs> Maybe you should be doing. <laughs> no, I ain't doing it. <laughs> Um, okay, so what I'm hearing from you is actually what I see as two different questions. One is um, the reputation issue, and, and to me that's, you know, what's been happening in, in the news in the past few months um, and school board meetings. Um, and I think that has been a hit on Gwinnett County um, because of, of both sides. I'm not pointing fingers or, or laying blame. It, you know, it is what it is, and it's happened, and what are we going to do to fix it? And I think that's where my experience comes into play and what will, what, what one of the things that makes me the best candidate for this position. Um, I don't know if you're familiar with my time as mayor with the city of Snellville, but I was elected the first female mayor. I hired the first African-American city clerk. I was also the youngest person. Um, I was called the B word up on in the middle of a council meeting. Um, we were locked out of city hall when I hired Phyllis Richardson as my city clerk. Um, I had to sue all the way to the uh, Georgia Supreme Court when we won a unanimous verdict, but you know we, we had to take it that far because we just had people that didn't like change and, and, and didn't want us to you know didn't want to listen to what we had to say. People don't like to hear this, but I have learned and grown since that time. I mean, what I did, I felt like I was right in doing, and obviously I prevailed. Um, but I see now that that wasn't necessarily the best path to take. Even if you're right in doing something, it doesn't necessarily accomplish your end game if you don't have others working alongside of you. So, you know, so I've seen, I've experienced firsthand some of the things that are happening on the school board because they happen to me as mayor. But I've learned that you can't react out of your emotions or your political ideologies. We have to find a way to come together. Otherwise, you know, we're kind of at a deadlock, regardless of the majority or not, we're still at a deadlock and we're not really accomplishing anything. We're definitely not accomplishing what's in the best interest of our children. Um, so I hope I can maybe bring some of that wisdom and diplomacy that I've learned in the past decade uh, to the school board to try to get some things actually done. Um, and that's, you know, one of my skills also as a trial attorney is to, you know, bring those negotiations. And I'm not saying negotiate away, you know, what you believe or what's right, but we have to find some common ground or else we don't get anywhere. And it may just be not starting with hot button issues, you know, starting somewhere small and working up to those hot button issues. Um, now, as far as Gwinnett is great, as I said, you know, I grew up in Gwinnett County public school system. And so my entire life, I believed Gwinnett is the best. You know, I love, I love my home. I love my county. Um, but I have come to realize that although I think we are great, we are not as great as I imagined in my head. Um, because there are a lot of things that you assume we do the best at, that we are the best at, but that we really are not. Um, again, I, I keep having go back to this, but I hate going back to this, but in DeKalb County, they have an excellent CTAE program, um, whereas in Gwinnett, we have a great, you know, we have um, the STEM school and, you know, Maxwell and that, and those are great programs, but at our local high schools, they're lacking in some areas. Um, and so there are, you know, our, our special education is, resources are lacking in some areas. So there are things that we do do great. And I think overall, you know, we still are one of the top schools. Uh, you know, we still have people coming to move here because of our school system. But I think that there's a lot that we can improve on if we look at individual programs within our school system, um, where I, in the past, I just assumed everything was fantastic, but that's not necessarily the case. I, I think uh, you're absolutely right, Kelly. And to me, again, and, and that's why I do this podcast in the manner that I do it. It's right. It's stories. You tell the stories and you lay out the facts. And when you tell the facts in a story format with the concern and compassion that you've had over time in engaging these issues, hopefully what that does is that move heart and mind. And I'm just like you, I, I believe I happen. I grew up in Metro Atlanta on the South side. My family is still there. Um, my wife and I moved to this side because this just happens to be where we work. We actually didn't move here because of the school system, but we found out it was a blessing. And since my wife works in it, you know, she works at the most diverse school in the state and she's been there and she's never gone to another school. And I volunteer there, I volunteer there now. It's Berkmore High. 
And the way I like to look at it is when I was at my job walking down the Chattahoochee River with a couple of other software developers, they just happened to ask me where my wife works. And I said, Bergman, one of my friends went, oh, man, whoa, 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 whoa. I went, why? Whoa, what, what, what's the deal? I said, she works at Bergman? Isn't that that gang school? I said, no, no. Bergmar has sent students to the University of Chicago, Yale, Dartmouth, Harvard, Emory, UGA, you name it, the Naval Academy. There used to be a sign in the school that it said School of Excellence. Now, to your point, and that's where this story to me is so germane, Bergmar is a Title I school. They have a, uh, there's a 20% uh, of the student body that does not graduate which I think is equatable to the county as a whole, which I find ironic, but still they, they graduate. But that 20% is something that you have to address. And as a Title I school, they overcome a lot, a lot, a lot of hurdles to get the job done. And it's the perfect place for you to see what I think you're talking about when you say um, IEP, special education, the disciplinary issues, these things speak to equity. And even though we've got our gyms in the county, the STEM schools, the, the health school, you know, things that focus on making the, the institution brilliant. And we've got programs and academies and all of that. There's still a size of population of people that get left by the wayside. And those are the things that we have to fix, right? And so I actually, um, I went to Lilburn Middle, Lilburn Elementary, which are feeder schools for Burkmar. My mom was yeah. a teacher at Lilburn Middle and, and a coach at Burkmar High School. Um, for a long time. And so, and, and Burkmar is part of District 4 um, that I'm running for. Um, so schools like Burkmar, you know, you hear great things. I'm talking about the schools in my in District 4. You know, you, you hear the great things from the Brookwoods and the park views and all that. But the schools like Burkmar and Shiloh, you're not always hearing the things from them. Um, and, you know, Burkmar has wonderful, I used to be a mock trial coach at Burkmar. And when I was mayor, I I worked with the principals at Shiloh to try to highlight them. They're not in the city limits, but I still worked with the principals to try to highlight the good things that they were doing there. Um, because although, you know, they had have their struggles, they also, like you just said about Bergmore, they had wonderful students and wonderful things that they were doing there. And they kind of sometimes were the forgotten school because they weren't in the city. It wasn't South or Brookwood. Um, and so now I think, um, and so one of the things I'm running on is, is to do away with these one size fits all policies. I think our school system is, is too big for that and they, and they don't work, especially when you look at schools like Shiloh or Burkmar that may have been neglected with funding or resources. You can't start them today. You can't start over today and give them the same things you're giving your other schools that have been focused on um, because you're not making up for that past 20, 30 years that they've been neglected. Uh, and so I don't think you could start them on equal footing. And I think, you know, <clears throat> we can't pick and choose what school systems are in our district. We have to, you know, we have to work with all of them and we have to highlight the good that is coming from all of them. But we also have to work on on the things that, are, you know, are, are troublesome uh, or where they're lacking. And I think that's the case. Um, you know, I think sometimes it's I had a police chief that used to say, um, you know, it's not crime, it's the perception of crime. And I think that's also what's happening in some of our neglected schools. It's not it's not what's actually going on. It's the perception. It's the reputation they've gotten, not not necessarily in Gwinnett, but just throughout Metro Atlanta that we have to work on that perception. Totally agree. It goes back to like my friend, uh, the whites were walking down the river. So going for vacillating from development of software to what do our wives do for a living? And I say Bergmar, and he goes, whoa, and I'm like, whoa, and he goes, whoa, we shouldn't have the whoa. We shouldn't have the whoa. They do too much hard work and too many good things. And to your point, there are those challenges, but we, we have to address those challenges and highlight the things that are to the good. So I, I want to ask you with that consideration, in your position, as you say, you know, and, and I'm not fond of politicians, even though you're engaged in <laughs> politics, I like to say, I vote for statewomen and statesmen not politicians, because not only because the politicians have the negative connotation, but so many of them do it for other reasons, right? <laughs> so yeah, as an aspiring stagewoman, you're, you're on the job, and I would just want you to highlight, even as you, you mentioned, right, you need to put policy in place to address these issues. Describe in action uh, the policy that you would advocate for and push on day one. Now that you're in the position, it's time to put nose to grindstone 
and write something out. You know, we're getting ready to get action oriented. You know, <laughs> what what's 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 Kelly gonna do? Um, first, let me back up to the politician thing. I, I did an interview the other day and this gentleman was like, man, it was a pleasure meeting you. You're so down to earth, not like most politicians. And I was like, I don't like to be called a politician. So if you're not boasting yourself on the chest, you know, I'm, I'm doing this just because I find that there's a need for it. And I, I, you know, I don't want people to think I'm a career politician or anything like that. Cause I too, you know, I, I don't like that type of thing. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. <laughs> um, you know, so I was, I've, I've asked, been asked a similar question and I don't have like a sexy, fancy answer for it. Um, because in reality, what I think needs to happen before I can answer that question is some evaluations. Now, I'm not a big fan of studies. I like to actually get action done, um, but not having been on the board and not having inside knowledge. I mean, I, I know what the rest of us know. Um, and I've been talking to community leaders and gathering information, but I'm still not on the inside, if that, if that makes sense. Right. Um, I'm not privy to those executive session type, type meetings. Um, and I did the same thing in the city of Snellville. There's a uh, institute with the University of Georgia it's called the Carl Vinson Institute, and they will come and they will do an assessment of your organization. And I think that's what needs to be done with Gwinnett County Public Schools. I think we need to look at things, uh, the policies that we have in place, um, where we where we are lacking for actual written policies, um, our budget, our staff, where we're maybe top heavy, where we're lacking resources at the different schools. Uh, but I think I, I need that inside knowledge before I could actually start writing policy. So I can't give you specifics. I can tell you, you know, that I want to put an end to these one size fits all policies. I want to store, restore more local control to local clusters and not necessarily at the central level of the school system. Um, I want to return some common sense into to some of the policy making that we have and, and get rid of some of the bureaucracy that we have. Uh, because I, I encountered teachers that are, you know, afraid to act because they're afraid of, of these policies and these actions that are going to happen to them. Uh, you know, I want to focus on uh, special education IEP process, you have federal and state laws that mandate what, what they have to be, but people are like, you can't change it, it's mandated by law. Well, the law says what the minimum has to be. It doesn't say we can't do more than that. Um, I wanna focus on vocational education, but I really need, and you know, I hate to say that because people think I'm like, you know, keep punting the ball, but I, I need that information. I need those assessments before I can tell you what our priority should be. And it may be that, you know, Dr. Watts has more information than I'm privy to, but at this point in time, I, I don't have that information. Wow. What can I say about that answer? <laughs> well, uh -oh. I'm gonna tell you what I'm gonna say. That is a very, very good answer in my humble estimation. And let me tell you why. Like you said, and I like how you opened it. You said, well, I don't think I have a sexy answer for that. Well, you, we know, uh, it, it, again, first, I'm not a journalist by trade, and we know sensationalism, you know, moves the, the printed word. Even on our evening news, we I'll, you've probably paid attention. My wife and I laugh about this over the years since we've been kids. You know, the, the nightly news has increased in production value. Like, I think it's 11 Alive where they go zooming through the newsroom and the camera just real quick. It's like watching a, a Die Hard or something. It's hilarious, right? You know, it's, it's, it's totally ridiculous. But th that's not what we need. You know, you said we need an evaluation. We need to stop and consider. That's my approach. That's the way I look at things. As you were talking, I'm just smiling inside because, you know, far too often we find folks, especially folks who decide to step up and step out, especially when it's for the wrong reason, that they're ready to talk. They're ready to act and they believe they know everything. Most folks don't. The majority of folks don't. And we tend to not listen. You have to listen. We tend to speak more than we listen. And what you said to me equates to going into the room as a new leader and saying, now let me sit down and assess the situation. Let me get the relevant data so that I can be informed and act appropriately. I push this concept called find focus, establish the fundamentals and execute. It's my critical thinking methodology for the everyday person. And it requires you to stop and think as you go into any given situation and hear what's going on. And if it requires more discussion or analysis, then you do that. The, the best hire I think I made in over my entire career, she was a university graduate, go dogs, uh, University of Georgia graduate, and her degree was in critical thinking. And, you know, I'm hiring her for software development. I was so excited. I started jumping up out of my seat, Kelly, because, you know, that is, of course, skill set that I think 
every individual should employ no matter what career they're in. You stop, you think about it, you assess it. And to your point, Dr. Watts may have some of those answers, but you don't. You have to listen, you have to get what you need. And then if it requires further evaluation, then you go out there and get it done. You're sounding a lot like a stateswoman. <laughs> I'm here to tell you, just want to give you that boon. You know, that, that was not a sexy answer to most, but it was to me. <laughs> I'm just going to let you know that, Kelly. So thank you for that kind of response because, you know, um, we need more of that. We need more of that. We've got to remove the bloat of bureaucracy. We need some flattening. And the other thing I want to highlight before I move on is, you called out something that's critical, or maybe we rest a moment on that. I know teachers who are afraid to speak. I know some who don't. I know other teachers who say it's a waste of time, that the folks who sit on the dais do nothing, and they won't do anything, least, uh, you know, most especially they won't do it for me. Now that I've gotten a bit more engaged, I happen to know a few of those folks who have responded to emails. Some of them have responded to me, and I've seen them take action. How do we get that message out more aggressively, right? You know, what, from a community standpoint, and you're big in volunteering, Kelly, what, what do you think we have to do so, so we can clear the air? You know, if folks can't get to the meeting, then they do reach out, especially teachers. Mm -hmm. and, and to your point further on that, things are in place where you're not supposed to be afraid of retaliation, but apparently it happens. What do we do about that? You know, it's, um, <clears throat> we have to change the mindset. We have to change the way of thinking. And that's not, you know, that's not an easy task. And that's not something that's going to happen overnight. We didn't get there overnight. We're not going to fix the problem overnight. Um, but we have to start taking steps. Um, I think, you know, it starts with the school board reaching out to teachers. Um, you know, when I was, when I first got elected to office, I went and had an ice cream social where it was me scooping ice cream, serving it to city employees to show them, you know, hey, I, I'm just like you and I'm appreciative of you and I'm, I'm here to listen and, you know, have an open door. And something maybe similar needs to be done with the school board and, and teachers. Um, I think it's going to, I think that there's a lack of trust right now, uh, not just between the school board and teachers, but through uh, administration and, and teachers. Uh, is what I'm hearing. And, you know, it's going to take time to rebuild that trust. And um, it, it's going to have to be, you know, it's, it's trust building exercises. You're in corporate, you know, it's, it, it's the things, you know, it's the feeling things that people don't necessarily like, but it's going to be necessary, I think, in, in this, this case. It's a funny but unfortunate truth. I, I, I totally agree. It does take some feel good stuff. Um, I think we've got to figure out ways to get folks more amenable to a good knee-to-knee across-the-table conversation, highlight those things that we find so different, but start to talk about and shift the conversation and highlight the areas where we know we are the same. And one of the things same. I'd like to do if elected is to start advisory boards. Um, you know, you mentioned listening. I'm the first one to say I don't have all the answers, but I'm willing to listen to people and to go and try to find the answers and solutions to our problems. Um, but I think that by listening to the most amount of people is how you come up with the best solutions. Uh, and obviously five districts, you know, school districts, school board members, we don't we don't represent the entire community. So I would like to have established advisory boards where we have teachers, where we have uh, community leaders, where we have, you know, maybe church leaders, um, parents that are, it's not, it's not mandatory that we follow their recommendations, but each school board member can have their own advisory board where they can meet and get recommendations from that advisory board so that we're listening to more, more people before we make the decisions. And that way, teachers are also feeling like their voice can be heard. I think one of the biggest problems is, uh, not necessarily a failure to listen, but the perception that you're listening, but not just listening that you're hearing and that even if you don't do what they're asking you to do, that you're you're hearing what they're saying and, and you're doing so respectfully. Totally agree. I always break it back again. It goes back right through my own methodology, right? And at the heart of critical thinking and applying 3FE, you gotta ask those elementary school questions, which as adults, we tend to not do. We like to skip over them, right? Who, what, when, where, how, and why? get those questions down in detail so that when you repeat back after translating what someone heard, they get the feeling, like you said, you know, what someone said, they get the feeling that you heard them, that you understand them. 
I know what your issue is. I know why you're bringing it. I know who it affects. I know when it occurred. I know where it occurred. And to your point further, if I can't get it done, this is why. But I can perhaps do this. I think we need a lot more of that type of conversation, more give and take. And we've got to have that across the board, no matter which side you so-called say you, you, you represent. Um, and with that, you know, I think back, I think back, back to uh, when I was at the board, maybe what, uh, two meetings ago, and I was walking out and the uh, young lady who was near me, she said, those people on that dais, they're just pure evil. They're pure evil. And she said it with such strength. And, and I felt, you know, her belief in the veracity of her words. Mm-hmm. And I just glanced over at her and, and kept on walking. And I thought about that as I was walking. And I was like, wow, you know, what will it take for us to change the atmosphere in there to bring someone like her to the table? Because clearly she's got a misconception of what pure evil is. Because <laughs> that ain't it. <laughs> but but I, I can understand why she would apply those words. And when you're in a massive echo chamber, you know, those things are what come to the forefront. And it closes off your ability to even have that kind of dialogue. I'm not, I, I don't know if you necessarily run across that as you're engaging in your campaign, Kelly, but you know it's out there. What, mm-hmm. what can we do about it? And, you know, I, I know it's out there. I've, I haven't heard that comment, but, you know, I've heard similar comments and, you know, people, people believe it. Whatever side you are on, people are very passionate about their position and they believe their position and, and their impression of, of the school board. Um, I think there's a few things to do. First of all, I think that the school board, you know, we, we talked about whether it's fair the way some of the school board members have been treated. And I said, you know, if I was on the school board, I think whether, you know, whether, and I'm in a position where if, if elected, I'll be nonpartisan. And so hopefully that will, um, you know, even though some of the candidates are some of my opponents are campaigning as a certain party, you know, I think it's good to be nonpartisan to try to bring some of the divide to, to a close. Um, I, I don't think, you know, education should be about uh, political ideologies. Um, but I think, you know, regardless if you have an R or D by your name, that the school board needs to come together and say, you know, this behavior is not appropriate and this type of behavior or these type of insults or attacks need to stop. I think you have to show unity as a school board. Um, I think that, um, you know, I think that for the sake of our schools, in order for us to move forward and to start to heal, then our school board has to, you know, put personal feelings aside and, and do that. And I will tell you firsthand, you know, that's something that's difficult, but it's something, you know, I had to do with the city of Snellville and extend that olive branch. And it, you know, it, it, it takes a lot to swallow, you know, bite your pride or swallow your tongue and, and to do that. But that is absolutely what needs to be done. Um, and I think there's members of the school board that will wholeheartedly do that. I'm a little concerned about maybe some of the um, people that are running for school board and, and, and whether they're polarizing things even more or not. But um, but I think there are some current members of the school board that, that see that that needs to be done and they would be willing to step up and do that. Um, and then other, you know, I think it's just, again, it's a healing process. I mean, we have been, nobody likes change, right? And, um, and we've been through change in Gwinnett and, um, and people feel like, I think people are scared. I think, um, you know, people have clinged on to things because it kind of gives them an explanation or makes them feel good about it. And, and we have to, we have to control the, we have to take control of the story and the dialogue. Um, and, and we have to allow for healing, but we also have to, um, you know, we can't allow some of the things that are happening to keep going. We have to take back control of the dialogue. That makes I sense. completely agree with that. We, we, we definitely have to take control of the dialogue. And, and, to, and to your point, I think it's just it's going to take time. It, it, it's going to take time, but it takes concerted work. It takes a lot of effort. And I think many of us who believe in that work, unfortunately, have to put ourselves in the breach a little bit more and call it out and step up. Not in any way that's antagonistic, you know, because you'll be sitting on the dais if you win. You can't do it by yourself. Right. You just can't. I, I think the community needs to be there. And there's some that are calling for the community to be there. And um, even though they may have not started divisive, 
you stand up as the opposition and you work loudly and vociferously like that. And, you know, I think that there's something to allowing folks to do that on both sides. But the concern is that the conflict goes negative and it doesn't become positive. So I think you have to have people there that are going to show up and say, okay, we've got all that out. Now, what are we going to do? Because that path leads to, I guess the best way to say it is eroding our education for our students and ruining our community. That's, that's the bottom line to me. If you can't close the gap, if you can't talk about these issues and come up with plans and, and policies, and we're going to spend every month throwing bricks at each other, well, yeah, we are going to go to hell in a handbasket. And I think it, it goes right to what you called out, Kelly. I think it's, it's fear. You know, and, and I've seen this kind of change before. Being a person of color, it makes total sense to me. It just, it gets wearying, right? You know, you look at the makeup of leadership or in, in your case, and, and I only recently became privy to some of the details of your, your tenure as mayor, you, you ran smack into walls of challenge and, you know, you, you hired people and folks didn't like it. You know, it, it's, it, it makes some folks uncomfortable because they feel they're losing something. I think more than anything, the challenge is to tell some people, you're not losing anything. Nothing's going away by trying to do something for this group of folks who haven't had it in the first place. That's-, that's Well, and I think good. that's where my experience comes into play and in that, you know, I've learned you can't bulldoze that down people's throats. You, you, you have to extend those olive branches and sit down and be able, willing to, you know, talk to them and, and to work things out. Because as you said, Otherwise, you're going to be throwing bricks and, and you know, nothing's going to get accomplished. Nothing's going to get accomplished. So in, in with that understanding, right, um, you're running as a nonpartisan. And of course, there's point and purpose to that. Without me projecting what I think that means, please share with the listeners why you've decided to run as nonpartisan and what's your belief around taking that position, running on it, and then if you win, acting on it. What does that look like? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think education should be about partisan politics. We're not deciding abortion rights. We're not deciding Second Amendment issues, you know, not the typical ideologies that are associated with partisan politics. Um, You know, I think as an attorney in juvenile court, it's my job to put to decide what's in the best interest of children. And I think that's what our school board should also be tasked with, regardless of whether you have an R or D by your name. And quite frankly, I have people on the Republican side that are supporting me and I have people on the Democrat side that are supporting me. If we actually sit down and talk to each other, especially when it comes to our children, we're not that different. Um, and so I think it's important, you know, to stay nonpartisan because right now our country is so polarized when it comes to politics that if, you know, if you have the R and the D by your name, then people automatically shut you off if they're the opposite. And so, and that doesn't solve anything for our children or our community. Um, school board elections, local elections affect you on your daily life uh, more than, you know, president, governor, or anything else. Uh, and so I don't think we need that partisan politics to interfere with that because at the end of the day, we're a community and we need to be able to work together to do what's best, not only for our children, but our community as a whole. And so that's my approach. Uh, and that's the way I'll approach it if elected to the school board. Gotcha. Thank you for that answer. I think folks really need to hear that answer more, internalize it, try and get a common understanding around what that means. Because a lot of folks don't, right? And I'll be the first person to tell you, I, I approve of what you're trying to do. And I hope that it's effective. But, you know, you're again, you're running up against the walls of human nature and the propagation of common power politics that is so prevalent from one end of the country to the other. Right. I mean, and of course, that that leads me to what I want to talk about next. You know, um, CRT is not taught in Gwinnett County Schools, never has been. Um, My wife's a social studies teacher. If anyone would teach it, it'd be her. But I think the challenge, unfortunately, is getting folks to understand that, you know, the the conflict over critical race theory is a powerful and a good, it's a really good wedge issue. It's good politics. And just to remind folks, I don't like politicians. So (laughs) I understand what's being done as a tactic to inform and propagate powerful strategy. It worked in Virginia. And folks need to understand that elections, 
this year going right through the school board. And when it comes down to school boards and national politics, the fate of the country is going right through the state of Georgia, right through our very own Gwinnett County. And that is the, the, the common truth. With that being said, I think, you know, facts just really have to predominate in this issue around CRT was started by an individual named Chris Rufo, who he's now, he's a player. He's a player, he's an operative, but he's also one of those folks that one day realized he was tired of hearing about diversity. He didn't want to see it at the job anymore. He didn't want to hear about folks taking courses and whatnot. And it's amazing what people can do when they do put their mind to it for point and purpose, because now it's got websites to support it, the outlets are pushing it, and it is a core political issue. And again, I reiterate, I'm not taking a stance on this. I'm just speaking a fact. CRT is not taught in our schools. SEL is. The desire for teachers to teach history around, you know, things that happen to people who look like me, that's, that's, that's there. And if someone wants to ask me, Derek, would you teach CRT in an elementary school? Well, first off, I ain't running for office. But even if I was, I would say, yes, I support it. And if you care to know why, just ask me. But don't castigate, don't throw a brick in my face and tell me I'm pure evil. Now that I've gone through my soliloquy, Kelly, <laughs> I gotta ask you, you're running for the position. You know, um, what, what, what's, your, what's your take on this, mm -hmm. this, this politically divisive thing? So I, I, I don't support CRT being taught in um, our primary or secondary schools. Um, for a few reasons. First of all, I, I agree with you, it's not being taught right now um, in Gwinnett County Public Schools. Um, it's not approved. Uh, I don't support it because it is a hot button issue. And I think the reason for it is, you know, again, it's, it's to cause the divisiveness within our community. Uh, as soon as you say CRT, you've got half the population that just shuts down and doesn't listen to anything else that you want to say or, or talk about. So I don't think that by starting the conversation with, you know, we want to teach CRT in our, our, our primary and secondary schools is, is going to get us anywhere. And what, what I'm looking at is, you know, how do we move forward? How do we, how do we do, we do what's best for our students to move forward? Um, now, I think, I think CRT as it was developed was, is a, you know, is a critical thinking. You probably know more about it than I do because of your field, but it's a critical thinking theory. Uh, it was developed to be post-secondary college education type material. And I think that's where it belongs. Um, I think that is our job, you know, the primary secondary education to teach facts uh, I used to have a teacher that would tell me, you know, I'm a political science buff. My teacher would be like, go listen to the State of the Union address, but then turn the TV off afterwards and don't listen to the news reporter's um, recap of, of the address. And the reason she wanted us to do that is because she wanted us to actually hear what the president was saying. And she wanted us to develop our own opinions as to what that meant to us. Uh, and that really carried with me and stayed with me, you know, all these years. And it's something that I think is true. Like we need to teach students the facts, um, your perspective of what those facts mean and my perspective of what those facts mean may be two different things. What, what my parents believe that that means and what your parents, you know, we, we can't, we have different backgrounds, which are going to, um, to show our facts. So I, but I do think that there's things like the, uh, the, uh, racial cleansing of 1912 that happened in Forsyth County. I went to an event uh, during Black History Month for that. You know, that was right in a neighboring county, and that fits in with the eighth grade AKS curriculum. So should we be teaching that? Absolutely. Why wouldn't we? That happened right in our backyard. So I think we can teach things like that. It's not CRT, so it's not, we're not, we're not creating that divide by, by calling it that, and hopefully we still are educating our students on, on the history and what has happened. I could really appreciate your answer. And Kelly, I can definitely appreciate your perspective. And I agree with your point. You're right. Even though I support teaching it, right now would not be the time because it tends toward negative conflict. And we got to figure out how to diffuse the heat before we can bring anything new into the kitchen. I like that. <laughs> right now, the kitchen is way too hot. <laughs> Totally agree with that. And, and I love your, your, how you allude to, um, to what we're teaching, right? And things that are in line with the AKS. There are things in our great state that folks don't know. 
And unfortunately, the push around the politics and CRT would make some teachers afraid to, to teach it. I mean, a lot of folks don't know who Gwinnett Button is. They don't know uh, who our county was, was named after. And if a lot of folks who are arguing at the board right now were to talk about what CRT really is to them, how they see it, some of those lessons, you, you would never introduce those in the classroom. And those are the same lessons you'd go if you went up to the Heritage Center. That's where you'd go to get it. They tell you about these things. And, and I think from a conversation standpoint, like you said, trying to, you know, not throw more heat into the kitchen, but let things calm down. I think it goes back to what we were talking about with the other issues. We've got to lower the temperature and then speak to facts. I've actually seen where folks who were on that side of the argument, all ginned up and, and hot, had a misconception around what CRT was. Now it's very difficult because, you know, even as you tend towards conservatism, a lot of times your position from a mental perspective remains static. It's not an indictment, it, it just, it's, it's what is. And it's hard to move from your position if you think it's gonna do some harm. A lot of folks are stuck on the fact that it's doing harm. And we've got to get them to understand that it's not. And I think in your role as a stateswoman on the board, it's a heavy lift, but it is definitely something that you would have to take responsibility for and somehow push forward. Now, moving on to my next question, because you know I had to pull up your stuff over yeah. here. I got, I, got your, I got your pledge, I got your pledge over here. I wanna talk real quick about something that you alluded to just a moment ago. Now, and this is difficult. This is difficult. And I think it's something that a lot of the listeners would probably find boring, but again, it's important. <laughs> you, you, you talk about local politics and its importance and how folks all, they'll show up for a national election, but they don't realize that the president doesn't pave the road in front of your house. They're not responsible for the policies that get enacted for where your child goes to school and no one in Washington has dictated or grows the size of the bureaucracy around what drives your school. One of your pledges, your mandate is to minimize that bureaucracy, so to speak. You know, I've heard a lot of teachers talk about and complain around the levels of management. Same kind of complaint you find over on the uh, private side in corporate America, too many vice presidents there's a vice president of everything, and some of them don't have anybody working for them. Just title. <laughs> They're just there doing what they do, whatever it is they do. So with that being a pledge, how are you going to go about doing that? Because bureaucracies, as you know, since and you've actually worked in it, they become entrenched things. They take on a life of their own, and they, they, they don't like folks like you. You come <laughs> along, and they're like, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> how do we get rid of her? They don't. You know, I, I'm a... I'm politicians' worst nightmares when I get elected to office. Let me tell you. <laughs> um, there is an article written about me in the AJC. I don't know why. Um, when I was mayor, because my dad worked for me. He was my my legal office. He worked for me. He was my legal assistant, for lack of a better word. And I had to cut his salary. And they wrote an article about you know like how cold is she? She cut her own father's salary, but it, it needed to be done. Um, you know, and, and this needs to be done. I I believe. Um, yeah, we have very large schools. I understand, you know, 3,000, 4,000 students in our high schools, but in looking at our high school staffing, you know, I think one high school in my district has 11 assistant principals. Um, and I don't know, I mean, you know, some, again, I may not have all the facts and somebody may correct me if I were to get into office, but to me, that seems like we are awfully top heavy. Uh, and, and somebody was asking if that would be a, a budget. Somebody asked me the question if that's what I would do to save money on the budget. And it's not necessarily that I want to save money on the budget. I just think that that money could be better spent for literary coaches or teaching positions or counselors or, or something of that nature. So I'm not I'm not convinced that a, a high school needs that many assistant principals when each of them, it appears, has just one primary responsibility, um, ninth grade discipline or, or something of that nature. Now, it doesn't mean that they're not helping covering. I'm not saying that they're not working hard, um, but it just seems that we, you know, we have been in a bureaucracy and we've gotten this authority and we've just expanded, um, you know, at, at the administrative level. We also, you know, 
careful what you say, but I think we've also probably gone that way with central office as well with the um, the um, area and assistant superintendents, which I hate to say that out loud because I know some of them and they probably be like, you want like, what are you doing? <laughs> but I mean, but it's the truth that, uh, you know, we, we don't necessarily, you know, I, I work for Gwinnett County government and it does, you know, we don't, we don't need to be a stereotypical government where, you know, we have all types of pork. Um, we just, we need to cut where we need to, and it doesn't mean people are going to lose their jobs, but maybe they will just be repositioned into a different job where they are more beneficial to the school system. Well, wow. And, you know, I, I got to reiterate that part for the listeners because Kelly just did us a disservice. I think from my, as an aspiring critical thinkers uh, perspective, the most important part from a political perspective was the last thing she just said. And I really want folks to emphasize that. When I look at the system, I think there's a glut of work that needs to be done, but folks see someone like Kelly coming along. And as she just said, she's got some friends that would be like, girl, what you doing? <laughs> but the, the fact of the matter is, is there's more than enough, there's too much work right now. And I don't think we have enough people on the job. So there are a lot, I wouldn't, I could not conceive of a cut when we need more people and there's too much work. The thing around the bureaucracy is it grows, you enforce some structure, it becomes more organic and yeah, it may become top heavy. So some folks might not be doing the right job. That's the bottom. And that goes back to what I said before, you know, it's the, the evaluation by the Carl Vinson Institute to see, you know, where do we need to plug in those people? Exactly, exactly. And, and folks, I, I just cannot emphasize that enough because that's the thing that folks will really hear. Oh, you know, you're going to get, get I'm, I'm losing my job, I'm losing my, no, no, no. We just need to figure out what people need to be doing. There's way more than enough work to go around and it all has to be done, especially when you consider what education needs to look like for the future and how we can grasp that last 20% and get all of our kids through the process and get that piece of paper in their hand, whether or not they're going to a two-year, four-year or no-year institution. Something has to be done and we can fix that if everyone is focused on doing the right thing. Absolutely. Great response, Kelly. Again, you know, uh, thumbs up on that one. That's that's a state swimming response. Just, <laughs> you know, that's, that's good stuff. All right. So, you know, we've, we've come up on time and, and Kelly, this has been a great conversation. I really, really do appreciate you taking the time that you had just with us today. As ever, I always like to give the person the last word. So you're the guest on the show, please. And, and of course, let folks know where they can go to find out more about you. Well, I, you know, I just want to thank you. It's been a great opportunity. I've enjoyed talking to you today. Um, you know, a lot of people don't realize this election is coming up. It's coming up quickly. It's the day before school gets out. So the election is May 24th. We really need everyone to get out and vote. If you don't know, if you don't live in District 4, I'm sure you know someone that does. Uh, so we need help spreading the word, whether it be on Facebook or, you know, just talking to your community. Uh, you can learn more about me on Facebook. I have a campaign site that is uh, Facebook Counts Campaign. I also have a website that is votecouts.com. And early voting for this election starts on May 2nd, so less than a month away. Outstanding. Thank you for that, Kelly. And again, thank you for taking the time to edge the edges with us today. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. In keeping with where we stand on Edge the Edges, the right term comes back to the forefront once again. Statesman, or stateswoman if you prefer, but definitely not politician. A great conversation with candidate for District 4 of the Gwinnett County Board of Education, Kelly Cotts. She certainly isn't talking like a politician, and her platform speaks to the same. Aspiring critical thinker is what we seem to have here. Stop and think. The patience to evaluate and assess before deciding, before acting. Yes, indeed. We have to thank her for taking the time to share her perspective with us today. Thank you, Kelly. We certainly do appreciate it. And of course, we have to thank you, our listeners, for listening to our podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. So please like and subscribe. Tell your family, tell your friends. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Itch the Edges. And don't forget to visit our website at itchtheedges.com. Check us out. Join the movement. Express your commitment to the cause. 
cause for a better America, a better world, where we all can stand together at the mountaintop. Do it for America. Indeed, do it for a better world. Be good to yourselves and each other. We'll see you next time.